No my honey my and welcome to the new degree. Thank you. Good evening and welcome to a very special episode of The Nerd Degree, concerned with that nerdiest and most, I've got to be honest, cat-obsessed of professions, <laughs> librarianship. I'm your host and resident cardi-wearing librarian, Moata Tamaida, and tonight I'll be attempting to blind our nerds with library science. We'll be citing all our pop culture references, and all answers will need to be returned in a timely manner, please, or there will be late fees. Uh, as usual, we have... Four nerds who I'll get to introduce themselves by telling us if they were a Dewey Decimal number, what would they be? <laughs> I'm going to start with, on my right, Karen, if you'd like to go. Oh, okay, so if I were to be a Dewey Decimal number, I'm Karen Healy. Um, I am currently the Ursula Bethel Writer in Residence at the University of Canterbury as of yesterday. <laughs> Um, and if I were to be a Dewey Decimal number, I would be 700. The arts, fine and decorative. <laughs> uh, kia ora, my name is Jeff Clark. I am an improviser, comedian and arts marketer. And if I was a, a Dewey Decimal number, I believe I would probably be uh, 827, English humour and satire. <laughs> <laughs> Very confident of you, Jeff. And you make up a team, and what is your team called? Shh! <laughs> Sorry, a bit quieter next time, maybe. And on my other side, I have Brendan. Hi, my name is Brendan Bennett. I am a former student librarian, Shirley Boys High School. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm a former student librarian of Lincoln High School. I'm a I former student librarian of Waiteki Girls High School. It's <laughs> <laughs> all coming out of the woodwork. We're all right. overqualified. That's <laughs> um, if, if I could pick a section to be in, it would be 130, Parapsychology and Occultism. Because, nice. because when I used to spend a lot of time hanging out in the library, um, I, that would be the best section to just browse the shelves. I remember picking up uh, the most fascinating, one of the most fascinating books I've ever read, which was How to Protect Yourself from Psychic Attack. <laughs> and um, it was all of these apparently tried and tested techniques for protecting yourself from psychic attack. But my favourite one was um, you had to get one or two uh, trusted friends to stand very close to you and put their arms around you. Um, so yeah. how many girls did you think I just think it was exciting that they discovered how to get people to hug them. <laughs> And was that effective? Have you been psychically oh, attacked? I've, I've extensively tested it, right. and uh, I've never been psychically attacked. <laughs> okay. Hi, my name's Andrew, and I'm an animator, and I've just been working on the end of the next season of The Barefoot Bandits, which is starting on TV2 in about a month, so that's pretty yeah. exciting. <laughs> so, of course, you'd find me at 791.433, which is animation, but... <laughs> Not just for reading the books, but also because it's close to 794.8, which is video games, which is what I'd rather be doing. Awesome. <laughs> Andrew, were you a student librarian? Uh, no, but I probably spent more time in the library than any classroom, so I could be an honorary librarian. <laughs> <laughs> just by default. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a process for that. So we'll, we'll look into it for you. Um, so, oh, and what was your team name? Oh, we are just here for the free Wi-Fi. <laughs> As is probably most of the audience. <laughs> okay, well, that's a great name. <laughs> uh, this is a competition, so there's going to be some scores. Mm. And who's keeping our scores this evening? An information professional in the booth. Kia ora moata. My name's Erin. I'm going to be your information facilitator, and I will update you periodically on the <laughs> scores. <laughs> Thank you, Erin. Uh, okay, well, let's get on with some questions. Okay, and our first round is a nerd quotient round. Now, um, I'm going to ask you guys to roll your D&D dice for initiative. Four. Seventeen. Okay, oh. so it's the Wi-Fi bludgers first. <laughs> Question one. Why is Melville Dewey... Uh, the inventor of the Dewey Decimal Classification System, uh, someone who also did a lot of interesting things, like was an advocate for uh, the adoption of metrics in the United States. Uh, he was part of spelling that, that reform. Didn't go well. <laughs> no, like the, the Dewey Decimal System was like his big hit, really. Uh, uh, yeah, he was um, 
behind spelling reform. He started the very first library school, so that's the point at which it became a proper profession. But why is he something of a problematic fave for librarians? (laughs) Do you Uh, think? Was he into book burning, perhaps? (laughs) Uh, yeah, anything that didn't fit within his categorisation, yeah. throw it on the flames. <laughs> it was an act of Jewy decimation. <laughs> I would just like so to just point out that decimation is actually taking one out of ten things. <laughs> yeah, and I would counter that this was a punishment inflicted by the Roman legions. Yes. Where they would have to kill one, one, one in ten of their soldiers. Yeah, and then they would line the roads with crucified I mean, Jesus, you're not special. Mm. One in ten of the legions. So what I'm try- trying to say is he was sending a message to other books, like, oh. stay in line or else. Well, this has gone in a very interesting direction. <laughs> um, that's not anywhere near the truth. Was he a racist? Yes. Yeah. That's, <laughs> always, that's always the safe answer. Yeah, um, America talking about metrics, that would probably be racism. <laughs> Okay. In 1895, Dewey helped found the Lake Placid Club, which was a sort of health resort in New York State. Um, Unfortunately, the membership criteria were a touch on the anti-Semitic side. Uh, To quote a Lake Placid circular, no one will be received as a member or guest against whom there is a physical, moral, social or race objection or who would be unwelcome to even a small minority. It is found impracticable to make exceptions for Jews or others excluded, even though of unusual personal qualifications. Uh, So, you know, Jesus, quite unusual (laughs) personal qualifications. I'm sorry, the rules is the rules, Jesus. Is, Is that why they got tormented by that giant crocodile? In the in the late nineties. Oh yeah, late classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That could have something to do with it. Because actually the club um, sort of kept those guidelines in place right through to the nineteen seventies. Uh, but but when this came to light, Dewey was encouraged to resign from his role as the New York State Librarian and did so in nineteen oh five. His behaviour towards women was also questionable. During a ten day trip to Alaska sponsored by the American Library Association, a group that he co-founded, <laughs> he made unwelcome advances toward four different librarians. As a result, Dewey was ostracised from the organisation, and as far back as 1887, when he, he started that library school that I spoke about, he was very forward-thinking and progressive in allowing women to attend, which the regents at the time objected to. <laughs> However, uh, he did also require a photo of each female applicant. Oh. It gets worse. Uh. Since, quote, you cannot polish a pumpkin. <laughs> you can polish a pumpkin. I've, I've seen it done on YouTube. <laughs> he was a busy man. Yeah. He didn't have time for polishing pumpkins. Um, that, can we adopt that as a euphemism? You can't polish a pumpkin. No, no, no. Polishing pumpkins. Mm. Yeah. Wonder. I feel like you've got a lot to get off your chest with that. <laughs> He was a brilliant man who made revolutionary improvements in the distribution of information, but was as problematic as fuck. <laughs> Basically, the Julian Assange of the late 19th century. <laughs> <laughs> is, is, is that why all librarians on TV are like really sexy librarians? Is that like a hangover from the, Jewish, the Jew, influence of Julian? Oh, they, oh, they provided their photo to make sure they weren't pumpkins that needed polishing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's, 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 it's like, you, you know, like most librarians have to wear glasses to just hold back their raw, naked animal charisma I mean, as soon as they come off in any of the videos <laughs> I've seen online. And believe me, I've seen a lot of videos online. Um, as soon as the glasses come off, it's like, amazing. Okay, well, I'm going to keep my glasses on. <laughs> please, please do. Just so that everything stays above board. Mm-hmm. Okay, question two, which is for your team, Jeff. Mm. What doesn't a librarian want to find in a box in her office closet? <laughs> you didn't have to ding, Karen. It was your question, but go ahead. I like the dinger. A squirrel. Oh, well, there's several librarians in the audience tonight. Mm. Would you be okay with a squirrel in your closet? Better than some, thank you. I don't think that's the answer, Karen. Oh, okay. In fact, I know it's um, not. Would, would, okay, a librarian wouldn't want to find all the overdue books from other people. In a box in their closet because then they'd realise that they have a dissociative identity disorder and they've been checking out books <laughs> under a variety of assumed identities. It's like a fight club, and Tyler Durden. Yes, the beginning of a massive oh, psychological wow. unravelling and possibly murder spree. Yeah. <laughs> you are right, that would suck. <laughs> uh, it's not the right answer. Oh, you guys the, have any ideas? Or no? Oh, yes. The severed head of Gwyneth Paltrow. <laughs> 
I wouldn't want to find that. I personally wouldn't want to find any Gwyneth Paltrow's cookbooks in my closet. Even. <laughs> but, that, but that's a good point because Seven, like one of the turning points, is when they access um, the murderer's library, oh, library results, library reading yeah. list. Yeah, which apparently they've been monitoring. So. Um, I don't know. What wouldn't a librarian want to find in a box in their closet? Oh, uh, what, silverfish. Oh, that is correct. <laughs> Technically correct, which is the best kind of correct, but not actually the answer to this question. <laughs> because silverfish are the natural enemy of librarians. Mm, yeah. uh, anybody else? Anything else? I think the answer is unexploded Civil War munitions. Oh! Right, uh, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Is this from personal experience? <laughs> Not so far. Uh, just last month at Gleason Public Library in Carlisle, Massachusetts, the new library director, Abby Noland, turned up for her first day of work and found a bin inside her office closet with a note on it saying that it had been inspected by a munitions historical expert and that the contents could be live. Uh, she, she quite rightly called the state police bomb squad, uh, who confirmed that the two shells were in fact live munitions, um, which apparently had been donated with a collection of Gettysburg artefacts back in 1916. <laughs> you really couldn't make this up, but seemed to have been forgotten about. Uh, Nolan was suitably unperturbed about it, saying, I've been a director of libraries for a long time, and this kind of strange stuff just happens. <laughs> I just, I just want to... OK, so what was happening on the day that the original person got back the munitions report and he was like, no, something more important is happening. I'm just going to put this in the closet and deal with it later. <laughs> Someone's talking loudly. <laughs> yeah. I'll just pop a wee note on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So did, did they explode the music? The, 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 the bomb squad did take them away. And, and what did them. that rate on the Dewey Decibel system? Ah. <laughs> they aren't going to get any better people. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, and she also later joked with her new staff, because this was her first day of work, um, that after the shells were removed, telling them, if you want to get rid of me, there are more subtle ways. <laughs> Thereby confirming that you can literally take the munitions from a, li- from a librarian's office, but she'll always have the heavy artillery, namely passive-aggressive snark towards her colleagues. <laughs> okay, question three. And that's for Wi-Fi bludgers. Where should you look for a tattooed librarian? A tattooed librarian. Where should you go oh. looking for one of those? Oh, this is probably in some some <laughs> country where libraries have become illegal, and so the librarians have the books <laughs> tattooed onto their bodies oh. to preserve them. Oh, yeah. And so when you say, I need to read um, uh, Planet of the Cave Bear, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you wouldn't. You wouldn't say that. Back to my high school library days. Um, <laughs> they'll be like, uh, they'll just like roll up their sleeve, and there it would be. Well, not the whole thing. I mean, just the good parts. Yeah, it would be their bare arms. (laughs) (laughs) Tattoo librarians, I can totally find them on my phone. There are all these websites that you can... Don't worry. Yeah, we've been there, Jeff. Okay. Okay. No particular thoughts on that? Barcodes. Maybe they've got barcodes tattooed on themselves so that they can scan themselves and... Check themselves out. Yeah. Maybe there are librarians who, you know, like um, those those Buddhist monks who enter like that final state of trance. Maybe librarians before they die get their favourite book tattooed on them so that it can be made into a skin book. You'd, you'd really you'd really hope that their favourite book was like a, a book book of Spot and not like War and Peace. Yeah. <laughs> you guys have got some really funny ideas about librarians. <laughs> uh, if you think along the lines of. A form of fundraising. Fundraising. Like, if you donate a certain money, they will tattoo something. Is this true? It's if like we, advertising space. If we pass a hat around, Moata, would you get a tattoo of anything we chose? In this room, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's actually um, in calendars. Uh, and specifically in calendars in Rhode Island, Michigan, Massachusetts and Texas, the local library associations of which have all published tattooed librarian calendars as a form of fundraising. The trend seems to have started with the Tattooed Ladies of the Texas Library Association calendar in 2009, (laughs) which I'm staying you know, be quite... Uh, surprised that Jeff does not own a copy of. That's on my, that's on my search history. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it followed a year later with tattooed youth librarians of Massachusetts. I did not oh. go to that page. <laughs> <laughs> and in 2014, Rhode Island and Michigan got in on the act. Um, just because I, I know we have a few librarians in the room, um, just show our hands how many 
tattooed librarians do we have in the room? Just me. I'm just still trying to work out what I'm going to get. Okay. Just, just me. Um, well, we're going to make this calendar somehow. Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Wear a wig. If I get a tattoo, can I become a librarian? Yeah. yeah. It's like Nothing to stop you. Thing. There's a process, Andrew. There's a process. <laughs> Always trying to take shortcuts. That's not the librarian way. It's not. Um, I, personally, I think you also find tattooed librarians in um, urban craft markets. Uh, anywhere there's yarn bombing. Uh, At the pet store with kittens? Any pub with a greater number of craft beer selections than actual patrons. Mm. (laughs) In a follow-up question that is still related to tattoos and librarians, why are patrons of the public library in Portland, Oregon, in the habit of showing their tattoos to the librarians there? Do they have their membership... Um, numbers tattooed on the on their like barcodes on their bodies. Like the no, the but beast. I like that idea. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. never lose it. Do you you know how you have like the 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 books that you're sadly giving away? If you show a tattoo, do you get one of those for free instead of fifty cents? No, I mean it is Portland, but no. Oh. Um, I, I actually would have just accepted because it's Portland <laughs> as an answer. But um, in fact, well, it's because the librarians have been asking them to. Last year, Multnomah County Library started a campaign on Twitter using the hashtag book for tat whereby they would make a book recommendation for a patron based on what their tattoo looked like. Oh. Oh, cool. Most of the people seemed pretty happy with the recommendations they got, and with a number of people the book suggested, suggested was one they'd already read and enjoyed. Um, there was lots of, like, there was a guy, some of them are a bit easy, like there was a guy with a big sort of Japanese samurai, uh, and it was... <laughs> Shogun was the book that got yeah. recommended. I've got Neil Gaiman's signature. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have you read Sandman? <laughs> yes, but um, I'll read it again. You know, like books about nature and birds and flowers mm. and stuff like that. Um, so, you know, you may not be able to judge a book by its cover, but you might just be able to judge a person's book preferences by their tattoos. Yeah. Okay, next question, which is for... And it relates to my lovely... Lego librarian minifig that I have brought with me today. Mm-hmm. She has a couple of accessories. She's got a, a mug that says shh on it. Mm-hmm. And she also has a book uh, which is titled Oranges and Peaches. Mm-hmm. So I'd like you to tell me, why is her book called Oranges and Peaches, do you think? Is it because that's how you can remember the alphabet? Because O comes before P? Mm. I always have trouble with that one. It means O-P. Mm. Oranges and peaches. Is it like um, is it like a really slurred version of War and Peace? Oranges and peaches? It's not, but no. you're, you're actually approaching the right answer there. Is it like when someone comes on and they're like, there's this book and I heard about it on the radio. Uh, it's about twins and they had fruit names. Oh, and Oprah recommended it. Yeah. It's not, is it? No. no, but that is infuriating. <laughs> um, I don't know. Would it, would it be from around the middle of the the? Would it be about the middle of the of the library or the alphabet? Because o, o and P are in the, near the middle of the alphabet. Oranges and peaches are presumably some kind of food, so that would be in the middle of the. <laughs> Have you ever seen a fruit, Jeff? It's yeah. <laughs> a great theory if it went for the Dewey Decimal System, which That's we've true, all yeah. really sort of talked about. Yeah, yeah. Wi-Fi budgets. Have you got anything? Any thoughts? Just delicious. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Um, well, as I said, Jeff was kind of sort of nudging towards the edges of rightness. Good new thing for you, Jeff. Thank you. Which um, is the name of his next album. Yeah. <laughs> nudging towards nudging the towards edges of rightness. I think it was the name of his sex um, album. <laughs> okay, I didn't hear that, and I'm not going to ask you to repeat it. Okay, the actual answer is because of a scene in the 1995 film Party Girl starring Parker Posey. In the film, Parker Posey's character Mary tries to reform her party girl ways by taking a job as a library clerk, a role that basically involves filing and shelving. When she attempts to actually answer a customer query um, of a woman asking for origin of species, <laughs> she mishears it as origin, or, I can't even say now, oranges and peaches, and directs her to the periodicals instead of Darwin's seminal work. Mm. Um, so yeah, you were, you were kind of getting there. Uh, Man, that's a deep cut. I know, I know, and I am, this is, this is why I, you know, I got given this as a gift, and then I saw the title of the book and I was like, 
Whoa. Oh. Mini fig boffins is at that, Lego. Is that you because guys know it, your shit. Is that because that little mini fig is a posy bull figure? Oh. 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 She only really has like... I'll keep a tally, shall I? That's, <laughs> three I that's points of articulation, so Jeff. It's just not really mm. posable. Party Girl, which, has anybody seen this movie? You, no. no. Yeah. I'm going to, though. It sounds good. Um, it's... It's very, um, it's very revered amongst a certain kind of librarian who may have been a party girl in the past and then finds herself with a responsible library job. <laughs> no names need be mentioned. And <laughs> uh, she, uh, she, she gets fired from a job for having sex in the library with her falafel vendor boyfriend, uh, amongst sure. other things. <laughs> Sorry, that's a spoiler. Uh, <laughs> is that represented in the minifig as well? Is there there's a, a faint is, whiff of... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is, 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 is there a falafel salesman in that series of minifigures? Because that would be awesome. <laughs> I don't know. I wish to try and find one. Yeah. Uh, the, the movie Party Girl, by the way, was the first movie to premiere on the internet. On the 3rd of June 1995, it was broadcast to, quote, several hundred people worldwide. Wow! (laughs) Over a see-you-see-me reflector at Popco's offices in downtown Seattle. Seattle, this is so 90s. And then a few minutes later, it was projected at the Egyptian cinema, also in Seattle. Wow. It is really, it is really the most aggressively 90s movie that you can imagine. Yeah. Okay. Next question... Who do I ask the questions of last time? Their turn. Your guys. Wi-Fi bludges. Oh, we'll only squander it. (laughs) (laughs) Who should marry a librarian? (laughs) (laughs) It's not a proposal. Is this your new reality TV show? (laughs) (laughs) Who should marry a librarian? Well, it should be someone who asks a lot of questions, maybe. Librarians (laughs) know a lot of stuff, so they like to be asked questions. Um, It should be someone who doesn't make too much noise, probably. Uh, to these fit a profile of some kind of person. Readers? Yeah, someone who, who's literate. That's kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I, I was kind of looking for something a little bit more specific. Um, I have an idea. Tattooed people. <laughs> Good guess. Karen? <laughs> um, people who make two incomes because librarians, particularly in the public <laughs> system, are shamefully underpaid. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that, Karen, and I agree with you. Uh, it's not the answer. The amount of pandering from this team. <laughs> <laughs> I you realise I'm not in charge of the scores. Yeah. Um, would it be uh, who should marry a librarian? Is this like a riddle? Is this like someone with <laughs> yeah, a strong? Yeah, the answer is like a sausage. Yeah, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like like a page boy. I would marry a sausage. Sure. <laughs> A, a page boy or um, someone with a good spine? <laughs> That's another Kelly. one. <laughs> okay, I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. The answer is post-secondary teachers, also truck drivers, software developers, middle school <laughs> teachers, and, quote, miscellaneous managers. <laughs> <laughs> this sounds so sexy. You're really uh, casting your net wide. Uh, <laughs> In February last year, someone at Bloomberg crunched the data from the US Census Bureau's 2014 American Community Survey, community survey which covers 3.5 million households, to find out how people are pairing up, and it revealed some interesting hookups. Like, dancers and choreographers are most frequently in relationships with welding, soldering, and brazing workers. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah the, because the, of the flesh dance. I know, right? Yeah. It's got to be. Somehow this has got to relate to the movie Flesh Dance. Um, Female library, librarians in a same-sex relationship were most look, likely to hook up with computer system al- analyst. Mm-hmm. Yep, from the websites. All yep. right, a female librarian is now laughing. <laughs> hmm. Male librarians in a same-sex relationship were most likely to end up with paralegals or legal assistants. Um, does anybody here want to know who they should be paired up with? I did look up some other <laughs> occupations. All right, okay. high school teachers. Far right, away. so secondary school teachers regardless of gender, pretty much get it on with each other. Yes, that is entirely accurate. <laughs> um, and it was pretty much the same with tertiary educators. Actors mainly married each other also, mm-hmm. but camera operators and editors, secretaries and administrative assistants, designers, lawyers and judges always also got to look in. Uh, yes. Yeah. Where did improvisers come in on that list? <laughs> there wasn't, there wasn't <laughs> anything. Okay. Uh, and um, just in case anybody's 
uh, curious my fiancé is, uh, in fact, a software developer. <laughs> so, so cliché. Okay, question six for... Sh- huh, I just sounded like a Star Trek door closing. What piece of technology previously unseen in Star Wars movies will appear in The Last Jedi? A book? That is absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> but wait a second, there was a, they went to a library in one of the prequels. Yeah, but no, it no, wasn't... No. It was Holocrons, they were holocrons. Oh. They weren't actually books, they were just little flying digi- digital devices. That's completely correct. So um, the last Jedi trailer released in April shows a very specific piece of information storage technology that has never appeared in any other Star Wars film, namely books. Star Wars has always portrayed an essentially paperless universe. We've seen holographic star maps, digital readouts and other electronic forms of storage and display, but never ever books. Um, in the last Jedi trailer, we get a brief glimpse of some books on a, on a bookshelf, Ooh. followed by what appears to be an open page. Uh, follow-up question... Why is this complete lack of printed material in the Star Wars universe somewhat ironic? Well, because it happened a long time ago. And so if it happened a long time ago, surely the printed word would have been around then. Because they've got so- access to so many trees is on Endor. Be- <laughs> they could pulp those down easily. Yeah, yeah, send them off. Um, is it because Lucas basically stole his plotting from the book The Man of a Thousand Faces? No, but it's, it does have to do with the origins of the Star Wars He wrote stories. the script on paper. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> oh, my God, you've blown this case wide open. <laughs> <reading books. laughs> he was a big fan of that wipe that looks like a page turning over the book. <laughs> sure, he based oh, it on... Oh, 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 oh. Resident Star Wars. That is correct, yeah. Ben. Yeah. That uh, is the based on the Journal of the Wills. So, um, but it could be live Journal of the Wills. For all we know. <laughs> yeah. But we do know that it's not because in the beginning of the Star Wars universe, um, it was a book. The concept of the Journal of the Wills dates back to the earliest drafts of the Star Wars story, in which George Lucas had intended to use the journal as a plot device for connecting the Star Wars galaxy to the real world. In fact, in one version, he had envisaged himself reading the book. I'm glad you dropped that idea. Uh, um, this is very dark, towery. Yeah. 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 Um, and so the, the idea that was the different Star Wars movies are essentially different chapters uh, in the book. Uh, it, and the, the opening crawl is actually a hangover from that idea of there being a written introduction to uh, a story. But wouldn't it have been great if they'd done it like Princess Bride styles? Like, a, a long time ago <laughs> in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. <laughs> it is a time of great... Trouble for the rebellion. You know, that'd be great. If Peter Fort was involved, I'd totally turn up for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then you could cut away and it'd be like, and she said, Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only. Op-. No, they kiss at this part, but later on you find out that they're related. I just want to tell you that so you don't get surprised and disgusted later. Jeff, they don't suggest- know. Are you suggesting that Princess Leia kisses R2 D2 at this point? <laughs> Why not? That was a <laughs> so deleted scene. There are, there are she websites. She does lean in at that point <laughs> yeah. in the holograph. Yes, yeah. she does. Definite lean. Mm. It was some very romantic music playing at the time, I think. Yeah. yeah. Mm. That totally is a thing that definitely happened. Uh, so that brings us to the end of our nerd quotient round. Erin, uh, how are we going with the scores? Thanks for your inquiry, Moata. <laughs> Currently filed under MISC are the Wi-Fi bludgers on 10. However, with a voluminous score of 12, it's team shh. <laughs> that was a really nice shh. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't idiot. like my shh. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, pra- not pra- practised and pronounced. Yeah. Okay. Now, I have set both of our teams some homework um, I've asked each of the nerds to take on the character of a delinquent borrower and pen a letter to the head librarian explaining why they haven't returned their book on time and what makes them so special that late fees should apply to everyone else, but not to them. Uh, I'd like to take these in alphabetical order, so we're going to start with Bennett's comma Brendan. All right. Uh, dear head librarian, uh, Thanks for your request, reminding me of the need to return overdue books. Yes, I do have an overdue book. Yes, books are a valuable resource to anyone who desires to learn or improve themselves. Yes, 
I agree that what one reads in a book can inspire new directions in life. Uh, the life-changing magic of cleaning up magically changed my life. Eat, pray, love inspired me to eat, pray, and sometimes love. <laughs> and so with that in mind, no. No, I will not be able to return your copy of Fahrenheit 451. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> no, you're sincerely Brendan or... The, the, the bottom part of the page is also burned off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay, we'll continue with the alphabetical order, so I'd like uh, Clark, comma, Jeff. Right, well, um, fortunately, I, I, or unfortunately, I didn't have to do a, a fictional piece because I just looked back into my past and uh, the following letter is uh, inspired by true events. <laughs> Two, the head librarian, Lincoln High School... <laughs> North Belt, Lincoln, 2nd of August, 1993. Dear Mum, I'm sorry that I haven't returned my copy of Making Friends. It hasn't worked yet. Unfortunately, when my classmates found a copy of Making Friends in my backpack, it didn't seem to help my social standing. To be honest, I'm not sure which one of them has the book at the moment. They were throwing it around the room too fast for me to catch it. I will continue to ask for it back at the start of every class. I may need to hang on to my copy of Being Happy for a bit longer as well. See you at lunchtime, as usual. Jeff. P.S. Could you please reserve me any Robert Cormier books you have on the shelves, a copy of Mind Over Matter and Carrie by Stephen King? (laughs) Well, wow. I think that's deserving some applause. Ah, uh, right, that's a tough one. Uh, I, you know, I'm just going to go with the instinct of uh, who I would feel compelled to let off the most, uh, and it's definitely not Brendan. So, so Jeff, congratulations! Thanks. You've won that round. I still had to pay my fine. <laughs> Okay, (laughs) this round. uh, This round is called Shelve or Shack. Uh, (laughs) As everyone knows, libraries are a hotbed of repressed sexual tension, book lust, and anti porn filters that work overtime. Oh my God, don't even get me started. (laughs) So let's just go with it. I'd like you all to ring in with your suggestions of phrases that you might hear at the library or during sex. Look, if you can't give it to me now, you're going to have to renew it later at home. Um, There seems to be a problem with the binding. (laughs) (laughs) All right, just be careful of the spine. (laughs) It's a well-thumbed volume. (laughs) Whoa, wait, 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 wait. You are in the wrong section. Do you want to hold on to that a little longer? <laughs> uh, to be honest, I'm just here to get out of the rain. <laughs> you can't fall asleep here. <laughs> That's the restricted section. <laughs> We're done. We're done. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, we are spent. Okay. Um, I also would have uh, accepted. Ah, stop watching porn. And oh, that's the appendix. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, you've you've got to be back here in seven days. (laughs) Check out the diagram on the wall. There's just a there's a ripe just mine of, of material here that could actually go on for quite a long time. But let's just no meow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we need a calming influence here. Let's let's get some more scores from Erin. Thanks for your inquiry, Moata. It seems that Team Shh is increasingly literate on twenty three while Team Wi-Fi bludges. They're going straight to the outbin on 16. Some work to do. Into the shredder. 
Oh. Some work to do there, Wi-Fi pitches. Out of circulation. <laughs> okay, next round. Um, this is a who would win round. So in this round, we imagine an entirely unreal made-up scenario in which a borderline illiterate world leader with no respect for knowledge, education or science <laughs> installs an anti-knowledge regime. Someone needs to fight this evil empire of ignorance. We need a librarian. But we need one who's not only has a solid grounding in evaluating information sources, sorting the good information from the bad, but also someone who can kick ass. Mm -hmm. So in the final showdown between good and evil, ignorance and knowledge, who will be our champion? I want each team to make their pitch for for who humanity, that's you audience, should choose to defeat this, as I said, completely fictional villain. (laughs) (laughs) Shh. I'm working on the shush. It's really hard. <laughs> uh, I'm going to give you guys Rupert Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Good choice. And I'm going to give Wi-Fi Bledges uh, Evie O'Connell from the Mummy movies. Evie O'Connell. Evie mm. O'Connell. From the... Yes. Yep. yep. From the uh, Mummy Rachel movies. Rachel Weiss Rice. from the Rachel Mummy Weiss. movies. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, so... I've seen, I've seen two of these films, Andrew. Don't worry. I've seen half as many. <laughs> this is going to be great How many Buffy episodes have you seen, Jeff? All of them Oh, me yep. too yeah. <laughs> This might have been slightly unfair And the, and the comic books <laughs> okay. Um, okay, but what about the movie? Yeah Yeah, yeah of course <laughs> Is he in the movie as well? Is this yeah. name yes, this will buy me more time. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Rupert Giles isn't in the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie. It's no. the original Watcher who gets killed off by yeah. um, the vampire played by Rutger Hauer, yeah. who yeah. I simply know as the vampire played by Rutger Hauer. <laughs> it's, Donald, it's Donald Sutherland. Donald yeah. Sutherland, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and Luke Carey's in it too. Yes, he is. Okay, have we yeah. still for long enough? Yeah, you good, you good there, guys? Okay. Okay. Well, I was going to let these guys go first, so I, right. let's make your pitch for Rupert Giles as the librarian saviour of the world. In the situation we are fictionally facing, we are only a supernatural terror could be the explanation for this entirely fictional horror. <laughs> what we need is somebody who has grappled with demons. Someone who has personal history, mm-hmm. who has seen the dark side of, uh, of, of what knowledge in the wrong hands or a lack of knowledge in the in powerful hands can do mm-hmm. someone who can actually uh, uh, who, who can leave that behind and who can inspire and uh, lead someone who is as comfortable roaming through a grimoire as he is aiming a crossbow someone who can who can teach people to use knowledge that that knowledge is power and that uh, you can't just run into things with your gut instinct and saying that you have the best skills the ultimate skills skills that nobody else has you need to marry it with knowledge mm. and this is somebody who's not afraid to speak truth to power this is somebody who will go the distance to protect the world and all of the youngest people the most precious people within it Great. I mean, I'm disappointed you didn't mention how good he looked in tweed jackets. But... Oh, my God. No, when he wears the ripper leather one. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure, man. Let's just help them out. And like, <laughs> yeah. and like in the band candy episode oh where he God, flashes band back. Oh, my God, candy, the... yes, and he plays the music. <laughs> it was great. I was actually uh, technically pointing out a deficit in their argument. Yeah. Then. Um, so, Wi-Fi bludges, I'll let you... Make your pitch. Let's now. talk about mummies for a second. <laughs> okay? Let's do. Think about, think about the mummy. And The Mummy too, both of which I have seen. <laughs> the Mummy is old and leathery. And it's, it's, through age, it has turned a strange colour. Its hands are small and shrunken. <laughs> it's, it spends its entire time trying to grab younger women. <laughs> now... I don't know if there are real-world parallels here, but we need someone who is experienced in dealing with just such a threat. And not just the threat itself, but the whole system that that threat is in charge of, which is a a civilization bent on imperialism and basically taking over the world, more or less. So I think this is quite a a, sort of an area of expertise for this particular librarian. Yes, which is Evie (laughs) O'Connell. That's her name, that's correct. Also, Brendan Fraser is in the film. (laughs) Yep. Sorry, I was holding myself back. Let's let's really let's really go to town on this. 
the Scorpion King. Okay, think of, think about that for a second. Just the one second. Done it. Continue. Oh, and speaking of the rock, the Rosetta Stone. A total expert on that. Someone can finally understand what that mummy is talking about. Yes. <laughs> Look into its mind, find out its intentions, and learn how to take it down. Yep, and I think it was scarab beetles. Mm. <laughs> yeah, the, the Rosetta Stone's been translated by quite, for quite some time now. Mm. That's not really a. Yeah, but mystery. who can translate Trump's tweets? Mm. Trump? Who is this Trump you speak of <laughs> in this fictional oh, I'm world? I'm sorry for blowing this whole thing right <laughs> up in You're going to finish on that? Yeah, you oh, done? we're going on a high note. Okay, well... <laughs> Could I, okay. offer some, could I offer some rebuttal on Evie O'Connell? Um, in the oh, first no. oh, oh, is that really necessary? I, I believe so, because uh, they're overlooking the simple fact that Evie O'Connell unleashed the mummy on us in the first place by opening the Book of the Dead and reading it aloud. Uh, oh, what, you've got a problem with people reading books, huh? Ooh. Oh, that's not going to go down well here. <laughs> I have a problem with someone illegally accessing the restricted loan section of the pyramid (laughs) and opening it without proper proper precautionary measures being taken. Rules is rules. Ask Jesus. Such resources should be available to everyone. That's one of the rules of librarianing. That's why we're scanning in the Book of the Dead and putting it online. (laughs) But it's surely her belief that by that... They, that it should be Stop available helping. to everyone. They gave the money power. I mean, Rupert Giles respects books. He respects the knowledge that's in there. He has fighting skills. All he right, has a fine up. singing wrap voice up, as well. <laughs> okay, well, this got a lot more uh, back and forth than I was expecting. Okay, well, it's the audience's turn to decide <laughs> if you believe that uh, Wi-Fi Bludgers have made uh, an outstanding case for Evie O'Connell someone they've barely heard of, (laughs) as the saviour of the world, please do clap now. And if you think that Rupert Giles should be our choice. (laughs) That was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be, but (laughs) I think we can see that Rupert Giles and take out that particular competition. Can I just point out that the actual winner would be Oracle from the Batman comics because she's like the super librarian of awesomeness of all time. Absolutely. <laughs> Not Batgirl? Yeah, she's also, she was Batgirl first. Oh, and then right, she was sorry. Oracle. Yeah. <laughs> Depends on which continuity you're reading. Yeah. Okay. Uh, time for homework number two. So if I remember my alphabet, uh, I believe that the next person up should be Healy, Karen. It's me, Dear Ms. Tomida, you've always told us that books were a doorway to another world, so I don't see how you can charge me fees for opening a book and getting sucked through a blazing portal to a hell dimension. I mean, all I did was wander into a part of the library I've never been to before and I'm not positive actually exists, while eldritch whispering filled the air and mist drifted around my ankles between the shifting shelves. I'll admit that I probably shouldn't have pulled down the iron-bound tome without asking for librarian assistance, but it had a cute picture of a glaring, fiery eye on the cover, and I was curious. (laughs) As you know, I am a conscientious reader, and I like to sound out unfamiliar words, preferably within a pentagram drawn in my own blood. (laughs) I don't think I can be held responsible for the consequences of good vocabulary expansion. Anyway... The book was consumed in the conflagration that drew me into the darkest dreams of broken men, and honestly, I was so caught up in my ascension to the throne of teeth that I didn't get around to checking my email until my triumphal return as the dread queen of all eternity. I guess what I'm saying is that in the glorious transformation of my tarnished soul, I've lost all semblance of human decency and no longer acknowledge the social contract. You can go whistle for your $4.25. Kindest regards, Karen. (laughs) Right. Well, that was very interesting. Uh, Let's see uh, what Henry's got for us. Dear Library, I am writing this strongly worded letter in response to your invoice for overdue fines to explain that there has been some mistake. Your bill for the sum of $268 for one overdue book, even though, as you claim, it was never returned, is clearly the result of an error on your part. 
Given your current rate of overdue fines, lost book fines, and how such fines have changed over the years since your library first opened, I think you will find that my calculations, see overleaf, even when adjusted very conservatively for inflation, point to an original issue date of sometime in August 1931. Uh, if this is some kind of droll age joke from whoever among your ranks thought they would inject a bit of humour into their correspondence with the library's members, I find such a joke to be particularly poorly executed. I was not yet born in 1931. I'm not named after any of my ancestors who were around in 1931. So this fine comes across as neither legitimate nor amusing. But reading further on the invoice, I see that while I am expected to pay this bill, the book in question was not even lent to myself, but to someone purporting to be my next of kin. Okay, I guess you can collect fines from people's family if you can't do so from the original person who borrowed the book, but this is where it gets quite literally preposterous. You claim that this book was lent to my granddaughter, not my grandmother, my granddaughter, grandchildren at my age, in 1931? How old do you think I am? Clearly whatever prank was attempted here is utterly undermined not only by a lack of research but also a lack of attention to uh, internal consistency, a flaw which I feel exonerates me from your accusations of book overduty. And so, in conclusion, I reject your bogus invoice for fines to be paid on behalf of my non-existent granddaughter for the never-returned copy of uh, Time Machine Repair Made Simple. (laughs) Yours, etc., Andrew. Well, that is is a tough call. There was a a lot to commend each of those. Uh, But just just for that, the tone of that, Andrew, was just almost exactly what you would get from angry letters (laughs) from people wanting to get off their library fines. Just the... Pomposity. Uh, people often describe their own letters as strongly worded. <laughs> this is my first letter to the writers. And, and overduity is, uh, is a new one on me, but I like it. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to give this one to Andrew. How does that leave us with the scores, Erin, of the lovely voice? Thanks for your inquiry, Moata. <laughs> interestingly enough... We have two well-thumbed volumes here, with both the Wi-Fi bludgers and Team Shh on 25. Ooh. Well, things have got interesting. And we're into the the last round, which is a quotes round. Uh, I'm going to read out some library-related quotes from movies and television. And uh, But I read I, books. Mm. Well, I guess you should add a lightning carrot. <laughs> <laughs> Libraries are more than books. They're uh, learning annexes. <laughs> I never want to hear that again. Uh, so please just ding in if you know the answer or an answer. You want weapons? We're in a library. Books are the best weapon in the world. This room's the greatest arsenal we could have. Arm yourself. There are librarians in the audience spontaneously combusting. (laughs) No? Guesses. Random guesses. The day after tomorrow? Eh, No. I'm going to throw it... Is it one of the Harry Potter movies? No, I'm going to throw it to the audience. What is it? (laughs) Doctor Who! From the episode Silence Silence in the the Library. Come on, guys. He's a nutbag. Just because the fucker's got a library card doesn't make him Yoda. That is correct. (laughs) It's Brad Pitt's character, David Hill, talking about uh, their unknown serial killer, John Doe. Your library makes a small corner of the world feel big. Matilda? Nope. Dang. Even the librarians look stumped. Mm. (laughs) It is from Beauty and the Beast. It is Belle. Ah, uh, but it's not the movie version. It's the it's the recent movie. Yeah, it's version the, the live of action. The musical. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. See, I'm not I'm the animated Disney for life. <laughs> <laughs> I may not be an explorer or an adventurer or a treasure seeker or a gunfighter, Mister O'Connell, but I am <laughs> the mummy. <laughs> who, who in the Who in the mummy? Was it? <laughs> Evie O'Connell. Evie O'Connell. <laughs> I'm going to give it to you Although technically at this point She is unmarried And her name, yeah. name is Evie Cannon 
Yeah. But then to finish, she says, I am proud of what I am. I am a librarian. And I just wanted drunk, to finish that. She's yeah. drunk at the time. She yeah. is drunk at the time. <laughs> and I have had most of a beer. So <laughs> that's method acting. <laughs> well, I guess that makes it official. Everybody's paired off. Vampires get dates. Hell, even the school librarian sees more action than me. Ooh. Ooh. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Xander says Xander it. Xander says it. <laughs> Points for both of you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is Xander being the most Xanderish oh. that Xander ever Xandered, basically. Oh, yeah. Symmetrical book stacking, just like the Philadelphia Mass Turbulence of 1947. <laughs> Ghostbusters. Correct. The last time I saw your father, we were in the library. He was very close to tracking down the knight's tomb. I've never seen him so excited. <laughs> that, oh. Uh, I you have know, terrible first, staring. If, if Jeff wants to go, then no, no I'm going to let, let you guys escape. take it. Wi-Fi blood, just go for it. it was, uh, Indiana Jones and uh, the Last Crusade. Yes, she says. It, never seen him so excited. He was as giddy as a schoolboy, as you, if you can imagine, an elderly. What's his name? Sean Connery. Sean Connery, Sean Connery <laughs> as giddy as a schoolboy. Um, and to finish, last one. Mother, father, I want to build a university with the largest library on the continent, where anyone can study, no matter their station. I can guarantee you it wasn't the Dewey Decimal story. <laughs> no, you didn't. There was no mention of pumpkins. I don't know. It's it sort of a fairy tale type movie. Not a Secret Garden, or no? It's just one of my favourite movies that nobody here knows. Stardust. Nope. No. The Neverending Story. Nope. Not Matilda. Nope. Okay, I'm going to have to say it's uh, Ever After. It's <gasps> Prince Henry <laughs> to his parents, the King and Queen of France. Oh. <laughs> well, she, somebody... had, she had angel wings made by Leonardo da Vinci. And Dougray Scott had floppy princey hair. He did, it was yeah. so <laughs> amazing. Oh, actually, no, I remember the, the, the last one that I wanted to do. This is the very last one, I promise. <laughs> okay, but it's my favourite. The library is the worst group of people ever assembled in history. <laughs> oh, God, Karen. Karen, it's okay, Karen. Hit my finger. Leslie Nof in Parks and Recreation. Okay. And what, <laughs> she says, they're mean, conniving, rude, and extremely well-read, which makes them very dangerous. Um, Podcast, follow, book follow up quest, My follow-up question was, what is Leslie Nof's favourite derogatory term for a librarian? And you just said it. Yeah. Punk-ass book jockeys. <laughs> Okay, well, I think I've added a few DVDs to everybody's must-watch list <laughs> now. But don't return any of those with scratches in them. So help me, I will find you. <laughs> okay, so um, while we're waiting for the final scores, um, I just need to tell you that you can follow The Nerd Degree on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, you can download episodes from iTunes and you can find us here live on the first Wednesday of the month at Orange Studios in Ferrymead in Christchurch. Uh, and do come along and join our audience. It's great fun. So, Erin, final scores, what are they? Thanks for your inquiry, Moata. It seems that we're going to be filing Team Shh at number 155.937, Grief and Death. <laughs> They're on 28 points. But straight to the top of the new release pile are the Wi-Fi bludgers on 29. Wow. Thanks to our teams and to our wonderful audience and to Orange Studios and to everybody listening at home. Good night. Andrew's now an official librarian. <laughs> There's a process in you. There's a process. And you've got it.